All right, welcome to another episode of Odyssey and Muse. I'm John Jerko, and this is a podcast where we explore adventure, creativity, and living life without a map. In this episode, I'll be talking with my friend Angela Kerfoot. She's a singer, songwriter, performance artist, and social worker living in Las Vegas. She has a unique style and loves to collaborate with other artists and musicians. It's been a while since we talked, so I'm excited to dig into her story and how she got where she is. So let's get to it. Welcome to the show, Ange. Thanks hey, so much. thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad you're doing this. Um, it's been a while, so it's kind of a general question, but how's life out there in Las Vegas? Life is good. It's moving fast. Work's good. Music's good. Um, networking is good. And there's a whole lot of excitement coming up this spring that we've sp- I've spent all winter planning. So I'm excited to see how it unfolds and if it unfolds. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely want to get into that stuff. Um, just kind of start out, I, I'm pretty sure we met back at Youngstown State University back here in Ohio. Yes, we did. I believe it was, uh, it was some form of math class. Yeah, it might have been math. It was in that like psychology building, weird, I don't know, kind of a strange meeting area, yes. commons area yes. where we started talking, I think. Yes. But I, I remember uh, at the time, I think we both had a love for the White Stripes back then. And, we um, did. I know you had a lot, of, a lot of love for music in general. And I'm just curious, I don't even know, were you singing and writing back then or was this just kind of something in the future? I was actually, I was, I was in a cover band called One Night Stand at the time um, with Mike Kermick, who's doing some pretty big things for Youngstown music culture right now um, with his band, uh, Perfect Pair. And we did all covers back then and Mike is still uh, succeeding doing covers in the area right now um, with his uh, partner. Oh, that's awesome. I don't know how I missed that. I don't even remember talking yeah, about you. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a, a slow growth kind of a process for me. And I think I've always been so, I've always taken uh, art forms being original so damn seriously that I wasn't really, I mean, you know, you know, much love to the past project, but I just was always weary to tell people about cover band stuff yeah, I was yeah. doing. Cause you know, I was such a fan of the avant-garde blues scene that I just didn't want to admit to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So when did, when did this all start for you? Were you always kind of like singing and yeah, writing and performing know, growing up? Or? I was. Um, <laughs> I was that kid, you know, in kindergarten at age five during like a Christmas play, like the night before Christmas song, the, the kid that didn't know why they were screaming and yelling and disrupting the whole show with their part <laughs> of the song, but just wanted so bad to express and be heard, just had so much desire for just being noticed. I didn't even care for what quality it would be for at the time. So I've just, I've been chasing the dream for a long time. And I had a vocal uh, instructor for many years growing up who taught me classical. And she was also a big star in Branson, Missouri at the time. You know, I grew up in KC. So um, I basically learned the show tune vibe uh, first and then got into, you know, became obsessed with just Broadway and the the idea. My dream was actually always to be on Broadway before I realized that an original artist was going to be my thing, at least at that, you know, at, yeah. the beginning of my career. Yeah, I could so. definitely um, tell you have some those influences from early on kind of stuck with you in terms of your vocal performance. Just like the <laughs> acting and the performance yeah. is really is really a part of my bag, yeah. Did uh, you moved around a fair amount when you were younger or were you in Missouri for quite a while? Uh, I went to I, I, I went to elementary and high school in Missouri. And then when I graduated at 18 from Harrisonville High, it was a, you know, small town uh, population, seven or eight thousand at the time. Yeah. I moved out to uh, where my pops was living out in Ohio. And that's how Youngstown State came about. And then I did Penn State and I did uh, Jameson School of Nursing out in Newcastle, PA. Um, and then 
I said, screw nursing. It's not for me. Maybe social work, but definitely music. And I was like, I'm going to Vegas. I got a thousand bucks in the 98 <laughs> Intrepid. Here I go. Screw everyone. Didn't really, and I just, I just left. I told my, I just made the decision, told my dad, my dad, you know, thought it was an okay idea. And, uh, two weeks later I left from the moment I made the decision Oh wow! to leave. So you were like, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. I had been ready to go, but hadn't admitted it. Well, to how, myself. how long were yeah. you in Ohio and what, what were you studying at Youngstown state? Was it social, social uh, work would, related or? Uh, yeah, I was studying social psychology at okay. Youngstown state and also, um, taking beginning classes to understand, uh, register nursing and I was minoring in theater oh wow so you were doing and I wanted to major in theater but my dad wouldn't allow it so I was like hiding (laughs) from him that I was like you know like swapping my theater classes out for nursing and like trying to more so I wasn't going to my nursing classes or my social psych classes I actually went to more of those because I was interested in socio psych but I was really just attending theater classes and um you know pushing (laughs) pushing on that vision of dreams so Uh, that's cool so did you always have an interest in social work or how did that all come about? Why do, um, why do you have a passion I, for that? I, you know, I... I, I think I stumbled into social work passion just through nursing passion. I, I knew I wanted to help people outside of music. I wanted mm-hmm. to help people with music and, you know, in a cerebral kind of way, but I wanted to do some actual like career labor. Like I wanted to get my hands dirty. I wanted to actually help people rather than just saying that my music was helping people. Cause we all know the truth is that you, there's labor involved in genuinely helping a large yeah, amount yeah. of people in a community. And so, um, you know, after the nursing didn't work out, well, I had the experience. So I was able to still get jobs in the field even though I hadn't graduated I could get entry-level jobs and I just Uh started digging through the pile of the whole network of what a community needs as far as service workers go and learning that social work was an aspect that was more for me and anything that was educational in social work I really liked teaching people and I had a knack for trying to say I I had a knack for reaching people or so I thought yeah and so I just uh, began uh, trying it out and trying um, you know assisting caseworkers for all different types of people in the community that needed help anywhere from disability to battered women shelters to adoption shelters and all those sorts of things and uh you just started discovering the, i mean i worked from dishwasher in the nursing home kitchen to porter at a, a behavioral center and i just really <laughs> explored every angle that there was to figure out what i was trying to do and what how i was trying to do it because yeah, yeah. i knew i had reached a point where since i hadn't finished my degree and couldn't afford to go back that i had to just start moving and building repertoire so yeah so you weren't afraid to get your hands dirty and kind of get in there never have experience. been no i was raised you know i mostly a lot of my upbringing was in on the farm in ohio and between <laughs> another farm in missouri uh so i just have always had a mindset of of hard work do you think uh your your work with um helping other people has influenced your your artistic vision or your music <laughs> Uh, drastically, drastically, um, and not any specific, uh, network of people in need either. Just all of it. Just, uh, there's a lot of inspiration and seeing pain and feeling pain and being empathetic, uh, to people. And it's, it is a muse process. And it also, I mean, you could even say it's a masochistic process, which it was more so masochistic for me when I was younger. And now I've separated myself from the understanding of how a muse and art works, but like starting out, you know, when you're on that, like, uh, what do I, how do I? I want to say this almost like a self-prophecy kind of a kick like when you're younger like in your early 20s you know what I'm saying like before it all hits you like how you're doing it why you're doing it and how it works you know I definitely um experienced uh 
the younger egotistical mindset before I came into the mindset of an adult and really understanding how people's lives inspire me and how seeing the change and helping people develop their lives influences um, words, vocabulary, music, um, and really, you know, your lyrics come from the vocabulary you establish, you know, through that empathy and compassion. So getting back to your, your actual songwriting and, and, and singing and influences on that side, when you first started out actually performing like in these cover bands and then started to to do more original stuff, who were kind of your musical influences at that time and and what direction um, did you were you trying to go i guess at that time well you know uh in two thousand and five uh when i f- first got into like an original band that I had a lot of respect for um which was Mokeshaw, who is now like the biggest las Vegas jam band uh that there is uh right now in las vegas um I basically just was influenced by Janis Joplin. I was influenced by Jack White and I was influenced by Karen O. Those were really my influences at the time. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Getting back to Vegas. Did you know anyone when you moved there or were you just, what what drew you to Las Vegas, I guess? I had a friend that had moved out here um, to become a culinary artist and um, I didn't have anywhere to live in Ohio at the time. Things had at the time fallen through with my family out there. And so I was staying with my friend's mom. He moved to Vegas and then, you know, was having a good time out here. And since he's like, you can come stay at my apartment as you get your life together. And uh, so that was, I mean, as soon as that was decided, I, you know, told my family I was leaving and headed west, which had always been uh, in the back of my mind. I just, yeah. growing up, my mom had a lot of photo albums of her trips to Arizona and everything. And I never have been a huge fan of Arizona in, in modern day, <laughs> but just the pictures of the desert, I just felt Kinda connected drew you to it since I was way, a kid. Yeah. It really did. It really did. And I always had this belief too, through like, even like things like the chronic 2001 album and the stuff Dre was doing back when I was in high school, that stuff was like, you know, I was uh, growing up, I had a hard childhood and a hard life. And I, so I associated with like, you know, like not in, in a physical way with gun violence gangsters, but I associated with the the feeling of, you know, the mindset of gangster mindset, I guess you could say. And I was like, well, they're out West. I need to find my people. That's interesting. (laughs) That was really my (laughs) thought process. Like I uh, was just really uh, on one as a, as a young adult so to speak. So when you got there, how did you how did you start getting into the scene? How did you meet Moksha, the people um, there and what? Well, my first job out here was a I was working for a company that did uh mobile spray tanning. So I was like doing airbrushing on like airbrush tans on like strippers. I mean, <laughs> dancers. <crazy>. Dancers. <laughs> and uh these dancers, um I just networked um through one of their friends who was actually supposedly not a dancer and uh she uh, and it told Moksha about me and told me about them. And an audition was uh, set up shortly after. This is all in the same year I moved to Vegas. Oh, that's cool. So what what was your role when you first joined them? Were you, were you doing lead vocals? I was vocals, just featuring. Sing? Okay. I was featuring. I think in my mind, I was hoping to eventually like consistently front them. But at the time where my mindset was and like I was living the lifestyle of someone in like genuine poverty, like I just couldn't keep my brain straight enough to keep up with like where they were at in status and in health and in clout in the town. 
And uh, so, but they did allow me to feature with them for a few years and it came a time where I just, I still couldn't get it together in time to keep up with where they were headed. And I knew I hadn't developed my career or my own clout yet. And I knew I was risking it if I kept working things out and trying to stay with their band. And so I had to just, you know, um, I kind of weeded myself out eventually because I just wasn't coming through for rehearsal and shows. And I was just, you know, at the time I had addictions and I was just out of my mind. And so I... um, eventually like I said we did myself out and got back to like starting to build my own name because um I wasn't healthy and I I had to start all over again actually do you think that was from the baggage that you brought with you to Vegas or did some of the people that you meet there kind of take you down the wrong road it really was what I brought with me um I've been fortunate in Vegas to just fall into uh scenes of just really open-minded what I would call evolved people west coast people the ones I was looking for (laughs) actually. So um, I, it was just past stuff that I had not become accountable to get over yet at the time. Yeah. I don't do, do you feel okay? Like digging into that a little more? I'm just kind of curious. Sure. About, um, yeah, sure. Kind of what, what kind of dark place you were in? I mean, was it more mental or yeah, did you, you know, get into it was just like a feeling and stuff or yeah, I did. I did. I got into a lot of, uh, you know, prescription pills and things, which I had already started that habit before I moved to Vegas and, you know, being on, you know, I wasn't on the strip club scene, but I was networked with the scene cause the, I was making my money off, you know, off the girls yeah. cause I was doing their tans and things. And, uh, so they, you know, they were tipping me in this, that, and the other. And, but I had already formed the habit before before I got out here and I was just continuing to escape things that I had not addressed. And yeah, I feel like Vegas is mind. probably a place where it's easy to kind of get gain access to those things <laughs> as well. Yeah. It's easy everywhere. If you want it, you'll yeah. find it or make it. That's true. You know, you will, but, um, so, it definitely took some time to get through and past. And I got up and fall down a lot of times before I actually got over it myself. And I studied a lot so that I could get over things myself. And so that there's, cause I always had this fear. I'm like, well, I can't work in healthcare if I'm on the record for needing treatment, you know? <laughs> and, um, thank God that never happened. I really wow. was able to get myself together on my own. What was your was process? Hard. Was it was it friends? Did you, was it kind of some kind of yeah, spiritual was, journey or what, what was, did you do? It was, it was a little bit of all that. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of uh, self-education, honestly, and learning uh, why the brain works, how it does, and just analysis of the mind and, uh, you know, just how the, you know, the past mind is affected by, or the current mind is affected by the past mind and uh, vice versa. And just really trying to take time to try to try to understand all that. So kind of by, by learning more about it and educating yourself, you kind of were able to free yourself from it a little bit. Yeah, um, I was able to free myself from it a lot, although, uh, you know, it's always a lifelong process. Do you have any any people that stand out or books or like anything that stands out that helped you the most in that? Yes, I do. Um, This book I read uh, a few years back by Travis Bradbury, and it's called um, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And that was something really undeveloped in myself and uh, was emotional intelligence and that's the part of you that like just refuses to be accountable for your own faults and, mis- and refuses to accept your own mistakes and you know just you know the aggressive nature of the self or yeah. the meek nature just depending or or both if you're a little bipolar like 
every other artist in the world and you know and uh but emotional 2.0 um really opened up my mind to what my issues were although i read um countless books before that or blurbs kind of speed read even like just yeah. terms on wikipedia just terms alone can really plug some things into your mind for you yeah you seem like a person that really likes to absorb information and art and all of that good stuff so. i definitely <laughs> love to experiment on myself yeah <laughs> <laughs> i do everyone should yeah that's everyone cool. should experiment on themselves safely of course so what was kind of that transition point like when you started kind of getting yourself grounded and and started um, um, making pro- more progress on the musical side. What, where were you at? You know, um, when I got back in to like around oh not 2009, I started getting firm footing again. I became a supervisor to behavioral center and I started learning a lot about behavior. And this is, you know, when I started under like looking more into, uh, fixing myself, I still had addictions when I started a job, but I realized like this was my chance to get back into the field. It was my chance to rebuild my name. And I knew I was, you know, still 24, 25. I was like, this is now's the time. It's time for me to grow up and it's time for me to get serious or I'm never going to get a hold on this shit, you know? And uh, so I got, you know, I was working for a company that I liked and that I at least felt educated by. And Mm -hmm. um, I started, uh, you know, one by one taking care of my mental health issues and behavioral issues uh, to as much as I knew how. And then um, tried out some other bands during that time, too, that didn't work, but began writing solo stuff and was looking to genuinely rebuild myself in career and rebuild myself in art and music alone and see where I could go. What were some of the first performances that you did on did you do did you start doing some solo acts at that time? Um I did some features with some bands that are, you know, just local bands, yeah. garage bands, nothing that really worth uh mentioning that's even function anymore. Um but I did release uh during that time I wrote and released an album shortly after this time uh called Social Work. Okay. And that yeah. was um a lot of the, all that written material uh, came from, although I didn't release that album until a couple of years ago, the, the material was all from this period of time. Yeah. So it's stuff you've kind of been writing and putting together. Yeah. Over the, over or the just, last it, or, several years. you know, you, when you look at like journals or scripts you've written and uh, you start finding there's a theme and stuff, yeah. I was kind of pulling themes from repeats that I could tell were just something to uh, express and record somewhere so that it could be, could, could leave the mind and the body. What's the atmosphere like there in Vegas? Because it seems like, at least from uh, from what I see of you doing, it seems like it's very collaborative. I mean, you're always working with other artists, or you know, you're featuring, or they're featuring, and your stuff, and vice versa. So, what's well, it like there? It's great. Um, you know, there is a lot of local collaboration going on currently. When I first started out, it didn't seem that way. People weren't as open. There's a there's like 300 local bands that are active here right now, <laughs> wow. which is an amazing amount of music um, and just an amazing number to even wrap your mind around. But um, most of my collaborations have actually been with people in France, the UK. Oh, really? Um, and California. Those are where I'm finding the collaborators. I do. That's kind of like my global outreach thing I do. As far as Las Vegas, I am collaborating with a local band right now called Greasy Conversation. Uh-huh. That uh, is actually an act uh, that was. And one of my close friends, Greg Brown, um, are heading right now. And then I'm also locally uh, collaborating with um well i guess that's the only one that i could say is legit right now but my collaborations are primarily outside of vegas but you know we have a home studio so 
So do you, will, will you that. like record your parts and then send it to them and kind of go back and forth and bounce ideas yeah. off each other? Is that how it works? Yeah, it, it, that is how it works. Usually people will actually give me full control because they like uh, what I do with music. So they'll just send me a track and say, Ange, you can write whatever you want to this and do what you want. Once in a while, someone will actually provide lyrics and a guide um, working with this guy. He goes by Echo Cosmic, and he's out of SoCal. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm releasing an EP with them pretty soon, actually, called The Night Kitchen Sessions. And it's all, like, French, noir, uh, cinematic, uh, what do I want, crime scene songs oh, yeah? about love, if that makes sense. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. So like um, I'm working on that right now. But with him, he actually does write the instrumentation and the song, and then I uh kind of recreate it with my voice he's has an excellent vision for the guide vocals but he's the only person that's actually ever given me guide vocals on uh, a collaboration everything else yeah. has been just me doing what i want to do on it and that goes to say for back when i was with moksha uh to now um let's talk a little bit about Waz. how's your relationship and collaboration kind of come together because i feel like um he's been a big part in recording and bringing in projection and all this lighting and stuff in the performances and (laughs) he's you know he's always been like my right hand man because he um you know our friendship was established uh over like technology you know Uh like um i i had a friend who had some guitar pedals and like some synthesizers and he loaned them to me so i could start like this is when i started my solo kick you know i started trying to figure these things out and uh was uh you know was my best friend at the time and was like just trying to showing me how to use the gear like down to how to plug it in what cables to use like i I had a hard time comprehending these kind of things because at this time um, you didn't really you didn't really do any home recording or anything like that did you not yet i didn't no i didn't and um shortly after that um was actually brought a chaosolator into my world and then i wrote so social work on that chaosolator what is uh, a chaosolator that sounds awesome um (laughs) it is a synth slash uh beat machine okay and you it's you know uh you just you write beats on it that's and um actually did social work is like almost entirely live except for one track on there uh it's just me recording vocals and just jamming basically uh cohesive jamming yeah and looping it also loops you can do unlimited loops on it okay yeah Um, you got some really cool sounds out of it (laughs) yeah you know it's amazing i recommend getting the k2 it's called the chaosolator 2 by korg Uh it's only a couple hundred bucks you can probably find one for half that online it's amazing what you can do on that thing as an artist you could you could get a lot done with that thing even if you don't have a computer Oh man! You might you could just upload your tracks awesome, to your friend's computer because it records in waves. I didn't realize it was that cheap. Yeah, <laughs> don't tell anyone. <laughs> uh, so, how about uh, on your live shows? I, I know you've, at least in the last couple of years, I've seen a lot of stuff where you guys are always playing around with projectors and doing yes, some crazy things with vi- video and stuff like that. You know, I always love the stuff the Grateful Dead did with overhead projectors yeah. and oil dripping and. Um, and I, we brought that into our shows. We did. We had Lucky Cuss for a while mm-hmm. before we had our. Before I had my current band, and Lucky Cuss it was Waz and myself and our friend Travi B. And um, we were do, we were having people do oil drips on cheap overhead projectors that we bought online. Okay, we were yeah, really big on the DIY indie thing. Yeah. We were really into the whole what that was all about, and we still are. But we were like 
playing with some like 60s, 70s nostalgic versions of that, you know, just reliving that a bit. And we also brought in, um, you know, um, some high def video projectors and we would like, I I loved experimenting on the crowd. So I'd use videos from YouTube of like people doing ASMR, which is where people do like um, tapping on a book or just different things that affect your emotions when you hear and watch it. And I was like experimenting on how that affected people live. And I was like projecting like running high def waterfalls on the sides of like urban buildings in downtown (laughs) Vegas. And I was just like, I was just really big and just like the whole psychological aspect of a show just visually and, and and also, and and then contrasting that with like some pretty aggressive lyrics and lucky cuss and just kind of seeing how people reacted to that. It went well, but um, that's kind of how all that came together and it was just some, you know, science because yeah, it rocks. Do you have? Do you feel like you have a stage presence? Do you do you change or feel different when you get on stage and start performing? I sure do. I definitely perform from the ego on stage, and over the past two years, I've developed several different uh, character egos, so to speak. Uh-huh. And um, I, in Lucky Cuss, which is the last band I had before the one that I have now. Um, I was really just playing the, the, I was playing Frank Ouija and I actually went by Frank Ouija on Facebook for a couple years okay, yeah, and I think, that was like that my still resurgence. your Twitter handle or something? I, I swear uh, I've seen I don't it. use it anymore, okay. but it's probably still sitting, <laughs> still there, sitting there. Just, yeah, wasting space. But <laughs> I, I, at the time I was kind of in a mental breakdown place. And so Frank Ouija was my way of like being someone else on the internet. And even though people knew it was me and a lot of my friends were really freaked out, I kept doing it because I was like, <laughs> I don't care what anyone thinks. This is my resurgence. I'm ready to, I'm ready to. I'm going back to the scene and I'm going the weird way. Yeah. I'm going to get there and people are going to notice me one way or another. And they did. And um, Frank Ouija is a very, is my angry, is the angry side of me um, and the thoughts that I actually have. Um, well, that's who I played in Lucky Cuss. Yeah. Um, and I just express angry thoughts that I really had about people and culture and society. And um, so that's this was who kind that of like your is. outlet. Was it cathartic in it a way? Was. Yeah, definitely. Now, now the band that I ha- that uh, have now is Kerfoot and Dow, and I, you know, I'm I'm looking at that as being hopefully my final frontier for, um, a, you know, uh, I'd maybe side projects, but that's really I'm looking at that act as a long term focus because yeah. it is everything I ever dreamed of, and it's what I've been looking for since I was a kid. But my point is, is that I don't, uh, you don't see too much of Frank Ouija and Kerfoot and Dow, <laughs> but um, she's there sometimes, and uh, I do always let her come Let's on stage. Talk a little bit about Kerfoot and Dow. I just kind of discovered this when I was looking at your stuff again today. Man, we're really in motion with Kerfoot and Dow. It's, uh, you know, I always wanted to do like cerebral dance music that mm-hmm. wasn't lame, which is a really, uh, could be nichey. Um, but it doesn't matter because that is what I believe in. That is genuinely what moves me. And um, it's more so an underground, dark wave, pop, industrial, uh, electronic music. Although in Kerfoot and Dow, we feature uh, my closest girlfriend, uh, Monica Sterling, who is an exquisite classical piano player who's been trained since she was you know five or whatever she's uh, wow. in her late 20s now but um we're featuring her so we're, we're bringing in this classical piano i mean this girl can get down like mozart she's yeah. not kidding around and she could do it effortlessly so we're kind of bringing that old kind of you know uh classical sound into the dark wave industrial dance electronic sound which is That's pretty cool um, combination it really is and you know we are uh using drum machines live but we do have a world drummer who's 
begun featuring with us, Christina Lackis. She's from Hi-Fi Reactor, a really interesting instrumental vision or uh, visual band that's out here. And so, and we also just recently brought in a backup singer uh, who goes by Doll. Um, so we've actually got um, like a full lineup planned for spring and um, could and uh, the person that actually writes the beats and who's also our guitar player and our melodica player is Dana Dow. And that's where Kerfoot and Dow comes from. Okay. We originally did Dana Dow and Ange Kerfoot, but people were having a hard time memorizing it. So we just shortened Which, it up. And switch around we, a little, yeah. neither, we really didn't want, like, if it didn't work out, we didn't, neither, both of us, he, I mean, he's been in bands his entire life as well. We both had well over 12 bands and neither one of us wanted to if it ever didn't work we didn't want to lose the essence of who we had recently established Uh so that's why we took the last name route we're like you know what we don't need a band name like we're just over the whole concept of that that's cool um, he's uh, really been uh, he's definitely my dream music partner well, right now. While you're on the subject right now, what's what do you guys got coming up? You're, are you gonna, is this what you're going to be touring as right now? <laughs> yes, we are touring as Kerfoot and Dow and uh, it's K-E-R-F-O-O-T ampersand D-A-U. And also you can go to angekerfoot.com and you can uh, see what we're up to uh, at all times. But we are headed to Boston on tour at the end of this month to open for some legendary musicians out there, some local indie legends, so to speak. Um, and we're also um, getting ready to perform Las Vegas's Burning Man Regional Festival oh, cool. in May. Um, this is our second year actually doing that. We got to play that last year. And um, let's see, we also have a another major event coming up, but damn contracts, I can't say anything about it. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep watching the Twitter feeds and Facebook feed for that. Yeah, Facebook, <laughs> our band Facebook is, you know, pretty is up to date. And then our website, like I said, it's angekerfoot.com, A-N-G. K-E-R-F is in Frank, O-O-T dot com. Um, you can see what we're up to. And uh, a lot of our music's free, although we just recently signed a couple tracks from our remix album uh, to Bass Nuts Records, which is a local Vegas uh, label. And we've got some stuff out to TV shows, yada, yada. But um, we released our album Kings uh, back in late November and Kings has been doing really well on Bandcamp. Um, we've had um, a couple hundred full album downloads, which it is oh, nice. free. But that's yeah. that's a lot for me. Uh, you know, I'm surprised by that. That's the most uh, response I've ever had from all of my experience in music. And that's a lot for just being out a few months yeah. as a local band here because there is so much competition here. It's, it's that's deep. That's true. And um, but then uh, what really what really kicked off Kings for us was that we did a remix album and we had lots of like known local DJs in SoCal and in Vegas do remixes of our Kings album uh-huh. tracks. And um, the remix album is the guillotine remixes. Uh, and, you know, it had like a torture theme for each song. And that was like <laughs> my gift to the it was like my my I, I'm very dark humored with my music and my lyrics. So I didn't tell any of the remix artists I was tacking on that extra name to the song track yeah. of their remix. I just took a chance because um, there were no money or contracts involved. It was all, you know, artists being artists and doing artist things. So it was like my gift to like kind of like amp the version 
version and make it more special and more theirs. And everyone got a everyone got a a, a torture experience for each track. So that's why we did the guillotine <laughs> so cool. remixes, just to kind of make a joke, uh, make light of uh, the darkness. And uh, it's just a really interesting subject. To, if you've ever, um, you know, I'm sure you've if you've ever studied like old school torture devices. Not that I'm a fan. It's just <laughs> the past is very it's yeah. very interesting for a curious person. Well, maybe talk about. Um that a little more just uh working with other people and i i feel like you are big on networking and stuff but it's more than just networking it's like making friends with other artists and working it's with mu- them it's and- musing yeah a lot of my a lot of my networks a lot of my networking has occurred because i genuinely was interested in an artist's style or their voice or something about them grabbed me and it's really hard to grab me like i'm i don't mean to be picky about music and i like all genres but it's really hard to reach me cuz i take getting goosebumps from good music very seriously yeah if you don't give me goosebumps we're not going to work out <laughs> so um basically i when i find him stumble upon a musician anywhere in the world that i whose music i really like that temporary like lust of infatuation for their sound and them as a being or who you project them to be yeah. in your mind um is really the p- only kind of people i will collaborate with anyone i've collaborated with is because i have been infatuated with them and mused on them and that's how i got to be an interested in working well with do them. you normally contact them i mean if you find someone you really like or you're yes like, hey, I, I do I or and, and and sometimes i have gotten to know people and they've actually trolled me first and contacted me oh that's cool um it's in you know it's always it's always been the mutual muse scenario that those are the people that I um, collaborate with. So um, I had an experience with this the girl that booked our show out in Boston. Uh, well, our show's actually in Cambridge. It's at this place called TT the Bears. And it was booked by Anda Volley, who is a budding musician in Cambridge. Uh-huh. And so... Um, you know, I like, I can't even honestly, oh yes, I remember how it happens now. Um, she had some songs out that I was really intrigued by and basically I wrote a song to her about her as like a letter of how I felt about her musically and what I thought and who, who I thought she was or what I, what I projected in my mind in the artist muse moment for her to be. And I explained just to keep the weirdness down, like, Hey, had this muse moment about you. Like, please don't take this offensively in any way, but this is how I felt. And here's what came out. And I captured it in the moment when it happened. And she was, um, really inspired and uh thrilled by the whole experience and she wrote a, a, a response song to me oh, wow. the song i wrote to her was called contents and it's actually on kings uh-huh. and it's totally about on and then uh the remix is also about her the remixes we i did re-record the vocals for that one but it's all about her and her response song to me is this incredible song she has on soundcloud for free you can hear it it's called Blacklight vegas and um it actually gives me chills to say it because the theme of the Cambridge show we're playing for tour out there, it's called the Blacklight Vegas saw, show. Yeah, so it's like cool. so <laughs> it's so damn personal. You know, it really brings a tear to my eye because um, to me, collaboration, that's what it's always been about. And uh, if you're collaborating with someone that can't bring a chill to your arm and a tear to your eye, then you should just move on until you run into that person. Yeah. Speaking about collaboration a little bit, I, when I was living out in L.A., past what i don't know it's been over a year now that we did the video for state of the greed yeah it has been it, it seems like a long time ago know, huh so much really has happened far. 
Damn in the time past. warps. But I, that was that was such a blast to shoot. And I remember I remember when we were talking about it. It was hard it. work. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but we we nailed it in like what was it like eight we hours did. or something we shot. We did. It was so cool. Yeah, it was awesome how like so much other direction came in from the people, all the other people involved. I love when that happens. Yeah, it was like it was a true pretty collab. spontaneous because I remember visiting it maybe was. once or twice that year before, and we we kind of talked about doing a video, and we went back and forth on a couple songs, and. I think we had a little bit of an idea. You mentioned like the whole ravioli thing leading up to it. But I remember I was getting in my car to come to your place, which is like a five-hour drive from L.A. And uh, right when I sat in the car, you sent me this giant text. <laughs> with, like this. Did I? I'm good All of these that. ideas of like what we're doing. I'm like, oh, my God, how are we going to shoot all this? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. But it, it worked out great. It was such a blast. See, I don't think like that since I'm not like a, a videographer or producer yeah, in like, that oh, type man. of visual way. This is going to be interesting. But I'm like, we're, gonna, we're just going to get it like we're running the farm. Yeah, but quickly. everyone was totally in and your friends helped out a lot. And it, it was they fun. did. Was yeah, good. that was a blast. Um, and as you know, um, State of the Greed, it's on my YouTube at Ange Kerfoot on YouTube. Yeah. And I don't know if it's on your YouTube. I think I, I have it remember. on my Vimeo account. On your Vimeo, that's right, yeah. Um, State of the Greed is out there. And then, you know, that song was always, my dream for that song was always for there to be like a hundred versions of it before I die, kind of a mindset. And we're on like the fourth version. There's a remix version out that's entirely different. Oh, and cool. then there's also an, a Kings that. album version. Yeah, it's on Kings. The, there's a brand new version on Kings. And then on the remix album, the Guillotine remixes, there's actually yet another new version. And there's actually a second YouTube video out for that now uh, that um, is just really just me just singing with projections on me. It's not cool. um, as involved as the storyline that you and I put together. But um, that I, I have hopes for that message to go far because um, it is a political message. Yeah. I, hopefully we could do another one of those sometime in the not too distant future because that was yeah a, whenever was a good you're time. ready yeah <laughs> get back out there and you know what we're actually um, gonna be in Ohio uh, in July oh really have to let me know so when you're coming I'll through touch, yeah definitely keep, yeah I'll touch base with you about that so what what have been some of your other biggest musical influences over the last years maybe more recently kind of what direction uh, you've been going? definitely uh, one of my biggest influences has honestly been uh dana dow and uh i always had these beats in my mind that i wanted to write Mm -hmm. and they were you know i've always been a big james murphy fan and he's from lcd sound system he's the founder of that and lcd sound system is uh huge as you know and no no longer together or whatever because he's pursuing author and political uh things right now james murphy is but when i met dana dow i knew right away that he he was a james murphy and i was like wow this guy (laughs) is writing the beats that i'm thinking of but can't quite get out of my beat machines but he was able to also work with some of my beats and elaborate on them to where i could still be involved in some of the beat writing process so that of course made me uh more connected to him and um he you know you know he is definitely my biggest influence musically right now um i would not be anywhere in my current music career uh without him and his like vision for electronic music beats Mm -hmm. and um it's just uh his he can he just i listen to a lot of his music that i haven't even written to yet he just writes really fast and gets stuff done and he knows how to leave room for vocals and how to leave room for monica's classical piano and how to leave room for backups and how to leave room for world drums he just he knows how to make space for a lot of people and we've always had this vision of having um features and someday possibly rotating ones or you know whatever but you know him and i cohesively as a duo um when it comes down to it we always have our our duo and that was our vision together 
together as like to build something that couldn't be broken uh -huh. and um his music uh drives me to a place that pulls the lyrics from me and like the sassier side of like <laughs> the the uh the um what do i want to say here kind of like the electronic punk yeah. pop vocal sound and uh his music makes me want to play that character and the character that I've always dreamed of. So he really pulls that out of me. Can you describe your vocal style a little bit more, maybe to people that haven't heard you? I mean, we, you kind of talked a little bit about, you know, your classical training and, and your love for blues and stuff like that. And how, how's that all kind of mixed together and what do you like to do? Yeah, I'm doing kind of like, um, I think I am going for like a jazz punk mm -hmm. kind of vocal style and it gets tied in with trip hop a lot and i appreciate that and i'm honored but it's not trip hop at the end of the day it's it's a you know it's an electronic industrial blues we call it urban size so that we don't have to list everything because we really do cover world music we cover jazz we do we're rock we're um we nod to the 90s a little bit sometimes you know yeah. we are definitely very futuristic music and we are looking to go a futuristic place with our music and i'm not talking like techno in your face to where you're like uh yeah you're just I'm trying so to sick of electronic music as much as you can so so exactly and that's why urban sigh is just you know basically urban psychedelic music okay. is just a way of encompassing all that for us so um we'll we stand by that genre and it helps us having the titling of the genre helps us stay true to what to, to what we're doing which is not adhering to genre but we're not all avant-garde to where you, you can't not everyone to where the majority of people can't understand it yeah you kind of so, try but, to balance on that line between poppy enough that it's you know still almost radio friendly i guess it is yeah we definitely um we definitely respect the radio uh even though aren't we all mad at it but yeah. <laughs> you know we never want to leave that the radio out because like i said our vision is to be all-encompassing and to be um, and to be for all ages and um, to reach all ages. We're not really trying to market to a demographic. We're trying to market to people that think or that want to think and that can be inspired by our words to think. Yeah. It's a little more intellectual. It's definitely intellectual. Yes. Have you had... Terrifyingly so sometimes. Have you had any other big obstacles to overcome and just kind of in creating this environment where you can really focus on your art over the last several years? Yeah, like sure. I mean... Um, even you know working with dana um you know i've you always have uh trust issues with anyone you're working with because you want you want things to last and you want things to go far and you want to know that that person is going to be there and i don't feel like in any other band that i had those kind of mates and you know Waz is my you know he is like my you know he does our engineering and our mastering for um our albums so he's always been there but you know on a band level you know which is separate from that relation i've never felt like i had a mate that i could count on that was really looking down the tunnel yeah. of the future with me like this so i would say overcoming trust was a big thing and um you know having the you know not having the resurgence of past negative behaviors or drug uses or anything like that obviously has provided a lot of clarity in my life and probably why I'm going so much further with this project. I feel like, um, you know, I definitely feel like I am in a new life and uh, one that is uh, full of hope. So that's awesome. Do you have any habits or rituals in, ter in terms of your creative work and writing and, and recording and stuff? I do. Yeah, I do. Um, 
you know, I hear a lot about how, you know, when, when the genius strikes, you know, just, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, don't don't worry if you're not in a place to write it down because you'll find it again. Well, that doesn't work for me. I haven't figured that out yet. Like, I just have to have something on me to, you know, make a text note or a voice recording on my phone or because when the moment strikes and it always strikes me when I am listening to Dana's beats because it'll be because I'm working on, uh, you know, I'm trying to write to one of the several tracks he sent me recently. Yeah. So when the moment strikes... Um, I literally, like if Waz is home, even I'll tell Waz, I'll say, you know what? I've never worked on this. I don't know how it's going to go, but I need you to get all the recording equipment on right now. <laughs> it's coming. And I was like, and if it's not, if, if you can't do it in 10 minutes, just let me know yeah. because I don't, if you can't do it in 10 minutes, it's not going to work. Don't let me down. I don't want to let myself down. Like I just get in this really manic, crazy place. And um, luckily, it, I try to set myself up to only listen to Dana's beats when Waz is home. And I've already notified him like, hey, I'm setting myself up for the moment. It's probably going to happen. Can you get your gear on for me? So is that a big part of your writing right now is listening to either Dana's beats or just some type of some type of beat yeah, or music maybe that you it put is. down? It is, you know, and I just go through and live life and experiences all, you know, they, they're in your head already. So then, you know, when I, when I've heard the beat a couple of times and then when I finally got a moment away from work to like clear the two hours out for the beat mm-hmm. and Waz is available and all, all that stuff is aligned. Um, that, that's all that my process really comes down to ritual wise, except I do have to have a couple scotches during a show or I seriously <laughs> cannot perform. Like I am highly uncomfortable with a venue that won't allow me a couple scotches yeah, on the tab. Just to loosen up a little bit. Yeah, I. But other than that, th- those are really my rituals are pretty, uh, pretty, pretty simple. I mean, d- I think. do you set time like I'm gonna work on on my music like this many hours a week or this many days? No, or? I don't say this many hours. Yeah. I just I can kind of tell through life experiences like. I'll notice, okay, it's been two weeks since I've worked on music. I've had a lot go on in the last two weeks. Let's spend Monday and Tuesday from, you know, four to eight yeah. and just like allow those pockets and see what I can get. And honestly, it very rarely fails me because I've got myself programmed into that. That's cool. Uh, what's What else do you got going on? Are you guys doing any more recording in uh, the near future? Yeah, or? we are. We actually are 90% of the way done with our th- with our third album, you know, I didn't mention it, but we did have our first album, which is an EP. It was called Urban Sigh. It's on my band camp. It's free for download. Uh, the band camp is Kerfoot and Dell. But we actually, uh, over this past winter, we wrote our third album and our, you know, Monica Sterling, who we're featuring on Classical Piano, she has been part of this. She has written all the piano for this album and she is on the entire album. And... Um, we actually brought in the drummer, uh, Christina Lacus as well for the album. And both of those girls, by the way, they are producers who also have home studios, just so you know. Cool. So um, having women in the band was always I like I never wanted a chick band, but how it's worked out, it's like we're all one of the guys yeah. in this band, you know, <laughs> and these chicks are not your average chicks. These are girls with careers that are producers and videographers that are just really on the go. Yeah. So, um, you know, for having the third album, I was really pushing it before winter because we wanted to label shop. But what happened is, is we I push, 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 push and push we all push we got it but then we were like well shit it's done let's just enjoy the spring and leave it there i mean no one's waiting on us and uh it's there it's great we know it's great we know it's timeless so we'll just leave it there and when we're ready we'll know so we have a third album completely done and um we're just kind of uh right now just trying to have fun and live life and bond more as a as a crew with our new you know with this newly established group over the spring because the core is really what's important to us not how much volume of music we're putting out even though we've got a lot stashed in our library right now a lot so while while you're talking about that do you spend a lot of time do you do do much like practicing for these shows or do you guys just kind of hang out a lot just to get to no, know each we, other more? No, we practice every single Sunday. Okay. 
um, from 3 p.m. 3 p.m. until we know we're done on Sundays. Um, that's a day that we all are free from work. And then what I will do is, you know, I will listen. I'll listen to our music, um, you know, when I'm in route to work or in the car or I'll go on a hike and check it out, um, you know, if I feel I need to kind of like reconnect with our music or older stuff I haven't thought about that we're going to perform for a show, you know, because uh, the public is always later in development as to where you're at for, with your music. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you forget like, oh, my gosh, everyone is just now figuring out or is just now learning about Cloaked Broker. Okay, well, gosh, I haven't thought about that song in a while, but it's time to like, you know, it's time to get it down and to, to become that yeah. person in that song and those lyrics. So uh, what I do is a couple weeks before every show, what I'll do is just put all the music on or like I have the, the instrumentation recorded and re-record rehearsal, but I'll just use like the instrumentation without vocals on it and I'll just rehearse mm-hmm. with a mic and a stand in my living room and I get into it like I don't care what time of day it is I turn the lights out I close the windows <laughs> we have this hall our hall light is like iridescent pink and there's a mirror in the hall so I just I set the scene as if I'm at the show yeah. and I envision that I'm at the show um, so that when I get there and I've had a couple scotches that I'm already there and I don't have to worry about it I just like kind of envision all that while I'm practicing to get ready so that I'm not worried about how my character comes off because I know who I want to come off as yeah you've so, already embodied it that way nobody's like evil eye or you know like <laughs> like what the hell's going on face like derails yeah, me because yeah. uh you know i'm sensitive and when you're putting on a show you're you're really very vulnerable so you have to really prep for that vulnerability what's the next show you're going to be playing what's what's the most recent thing coming um, up the next show is on april 30th and that's the tt the bear okay, show yeah. in cambridge and we're opening for on Diwali, Andrew Scandal, who is another uh, really popular musician out there. And then and then the biggest of them all is Casey Desmond, who is an electronica like star out in Massachusetts. I think she's the biggest one, honestly, because it is a small state and I have checked it and I'm pretty sure there is no there are no other uh younger people on the scene that are that are female doing electronica that are as big as her out there right now so she's actually like playing with her band called the woods cult or whatever and doing that project for this event to kind of fit the bill but um uh, that collaboration is our next show and then after that is the burning man regional nice so do you have any advice just to kind of wrap up for other songwriters or artists who are kind of inspired to their pursue their art and you know what are what are some things that they could do to kind of avoid the pitfalls and you know you know um you have to be pitfalls aside because each pitfall is unique to you and those are things that you really have to research yourself to understand your own self better but you just have to be willing to take a dark street solo over a well-lit crowd of well-known peers that's well put if you want (laughs) to be anything new and if i mean why you would want to do anything that's been done i cannot understand but i can respect it yeah well uh i really appreciate you doing this Ange. um maybe hey likewise this has been before we wrap up uh let everyone know what the best places to follow you online are the best place to find me, uh, the hub of of the me, is uh, angekerfoot.com. That's A-N-G-K-E-R-F as in Frank, O-O-T dot com. F as in Frank Ouija. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Awesome. Yes. Yes. Well, thanks so much again. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hope to see you soon. All right. You can follow me, John Jerko, at John Jerko on Twitter and Instagram, and find out more about Odyssey and Muse, including the show notes for each episode at odysseyandmuse.com. But most importantly, go to iTunes, subscribe, and rate the show. That's how the show gets noticed and grows. Thanks for listening, and until next time, follow your true north.